This episode is brought to you by Factor Meals. It certainly is because eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. If you're somebody like me who cannot cook to save their little lives, it's a game changer. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in, wait for it, just two minutes. Plus, you'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You can pick from two-minute meals where you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. With pancakes, smoothies, and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And Factor Meals are ready to heat and eat. They're ready. There's no prepping. There's no cooking. There's no chopping up veggies. None of that stuff. If you're like me and you're busy, whack on a podcast, whack these in, and they're ready to go. Nothing for you to do. No cleanup either. And the great thing is it's flexible for your schedule. So you can get as much or as little as you need when choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime if anything changes. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. So sign up and save. Factor is less expensive than takeaway and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So head to factormeals.com slash TWTW50 and use code TWTW50 to get 50% off. That's code TWTW50 at factormeals.com slash TWTW50 to get 50% off. Hello, I'm Grongy Maguire and this is Chantelle Fiducian Pate. Hello. bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the the way they were. Hi Chantelle. Hi Grania, how are you? I'm good. How's your celebrity week been going? My celebrity week has been filled with happiness and sadness, all it was. I'm very happy to hear that the ex Miss Kim Kardashian has been taken down several pegs and now has no money and no brand deals thrilled Mm -hmm. and I'm very sad to hear about the passing of my beloved Leslie Jordan I think everyone is very sad so we should all have a collective split second of silence for Leslie were you a fan I I, I'm so I missed him on Instagram everybody was saying he was incredible on Instagram so I feel Mm. like of that a back catalogue of him I just he was one of those people that would pop up on like Will and Grace and sitcoms like that you just would be so fabulous and gorgeous and I think was he in Sex and the City as well no I don't don't think he ever popped up in Sex because I know him and Sex and the City pretty well I don't think he ever popped up in that but he should have done it would have yeah. been a shame they missed out and it's really really sad I loved Leslie Jordan so I'm really really sad about that but otherwise 
Otherwise, I'm just enjoying all the celebrity crap going on as as per normal. <laughs> just thinking and just thinking how much Leslie would be enjoying it too. Five point eight million followers on Instagram. Well, if every single one of them could follow this podcast, then we'd be doing pretty well ourselves. They'd all hear this beautiful tribute. So spread the word, people. Uh, the only sort of celebrity romance that I am obsessed with at the moment is Lovers Blind Series 3. I thought you might be. I th- I saw it coming out and I thought Grinder's going to be... Ex- I mean, I'm excited too. I haven't started, but I'm excited. You know, things are a bit rocky in the world. The news can be overwhelming and depressing. Just treat yourself into a deep dive of really good-looking people who are dreadful at making romantic choices. So you're saying it's as good as season one and two? It's it's a return to form. It's Return it's, to form! That's all I need to hear. That's all I need to hear. At some point, it's going to go downhill, but not yet, guys. You heard it from Grania. It's a return to form. You're safe. That's actually was, that's what I needed. Now I know I can dive in. Genuine, there was a moment where I turned and I looked at my, my husband and I said, we are so so lucky and he thought I meant like us together in a a relationship and I didn't what I meant was to be alive at this period of great television (laughs) and to be able to afford a Netflix subscription to watch this yes you are very lucky that is practicing gratitude that's an affirmation when I do my yoga practice tomorrow my affirmation is going to be I get to watch love is blind series three I'm going to a time to be alive a time to be alive Speaking of luck, we are very, very lucky to have this week's guest. She is genuinely one of the funniest, smartest, best cultural commentators out there. If you don't follow her on Twitter, treat yourself, follow her on Twitter. Mm. It is the brilliant Kaylee Donaldson. The way they were. Hi, Kaylee. Thank you so much for doing our podcast. Hi, Kaylee. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We are very, very honoured to have a a proper cultural writer in our presence. So uh, it's 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 a real it's a real pleasure. We're a very romantic podcast. Do you consider yourself a romantic person? No, I mean it, it's weird because I I'm a huge fan of romance novels. I love romantic stories. I write about pop culture for a living, so I'm very much that weirdo who has who writes like three thousand words talking about how this celebrity's Instagram post with this person is indicative of this part of all that nonsense. But I've actually never been in a serious relationship. I have no interest in actually dating anyone myself. I just like looking at it from afar. Ooh, oh, nice, interesting. I like it. An outside yeah, perspective. Yeah. I like it. And so you're, you're a celebrity couple. They are incredible. Chantelle does not know who they are. So I've prepared some clues to sort of guide her along the way. So Chantelle, what I can tell you is that Katie's couple got together in the golden year of 1964. 1964, okay. baby. Martin Luther King Jr. has just received the Nobel Peace Prize. The Queen, R.I.P., opens the fourth road suspension bridge and in Hawaii, Keanu Reeves is being born. Oh, that's the biggest thing to happen that year. That's not the only iconic thing that happened because also in this year, Mamma Mia, ring-a-ding-ding, this May to September couple did it their way. So is it, uh, I, I I guess this actually, is it Mia Farrow and Frank Sinatra? 
And for some, the minute you said 64, I just kind of thought, please be Mia Farrow and Frank Sinatra. I don't know how. I just, I just I had an idea. So I'm into it. I love it. I'm a huge, thank you for this one, Kaylee. I appreciate it. Um, I come from a very big uh, Frank Sinatra background, thanks to my father. So I've been inundated. I went through an obsession myself in my 20s. I'm very into it. I've always found them as a couple fascinating <laughs> we found this a really interesting couple so this is exciting oh i'm excited okay let's get into it okay kaylee so why was this the first couple that popped into your head as someone who talks about like pop culture and celebrity for a living i think i, I find a lot of people have very narrow memories when it comes to stuff like this they tend to totally. think that a lot of stuff only appeared in the first i don't know maybe since myspace became a thing and really you know with the, the history of hollywood is over a hundred years old and the entire concept that we have of modern celebrity really comes from the very beginnings of those eras we had fan magazines speculating over romances we had studios and publicists crafting these narratives about these people and we had a lot of the discourse we have now capital d discourse on twitter about celebrities we've always had and when i was thinking of mia Farrow and frank sinatra i was thinking well there's this huge age gap which twitter has a lot of feelings on age relationships some of which are okay mm-hmm. and some of which are just mm-hmm. a nightmare you have this really interesting generational divide you know she is comes kind of on the faces of young new Hollywood, not quite hippie era, but definitely not of the old era. And he is very much kind of the king of that. And then you just have the the really interesting gender dynamics at play that that come into this one. And then of course the fact that for many, many years Mia Farrell has happily playing up the rumor that she never stopped shagging Frank Sinatra. Which, you know, <laughs> I respect deeply. But that was there's a lot to go into there. But I, I was just sort of fascinated by how much the way we talk about this couple, you know, all the way it's like, you know, they got together before my mum was born, how much that feels representative of so much that we talk about with celebrity today. Especially with the age gap stuff, with um, you know, I wrote a piece about Mia Wilde and what you know the weird hatred a lot of Harry Styles fans have for her, and the amount of people who call her a groomer for dating a man pushing thirty, you know, because of this age gap <laughs> is astonishingly dumb. Like poor vulnerable Harry Styles, be terrible if somebody in authority took advantage of him. Oh my god, <laughs> he's twenty eight years old. He's but a boy, isn't he? So exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, before we do uh, the deep dive into this glorious couple, I know what all our listeners are thinking. Yes, enough about the the historical context of these pair. What about their star signs? Don't worry, we've got it covered. So, Frank Sinatra, born December 12th, Sagittarius. Mia Farrow, February 9th. Of course, she's a child of Aquarius. So, Sagittarius, Aquarius. Kaylee, what do you think, according to the stars above, the likelihood of this match working is? What percentage do you think they give us? Going by how it actually played out, I would say low. Let's go for 17 then, just to be dramatic. Okay, Chantal, what do you think? I'm going to I'm going to go like crazy high. I'm going to go like 89%. Okay. Well, so according to their horoscopes, It says their attraction can be strong, especially when a Sagittarius, Frank, is at a crossroads in their life. Sagittarius, Frank, can be a sign prone to infidelity and Aquarius, that's Mia Farrow, likes to be free and unavailable. Sagittarius, Frank, will change their mind many times and probably go from one extreme to another. However, their percentage compatibility is 80%. 
percent. Oh, I was close. I was close. I knew it. And, oh God, I'm getting embarrassingly good at this. <laughs> I don't believe in any of it. I think that's pretty spot on in terms of Frank okay. Sinatra, who was definitely at a very strange point in his life when oh, the 19-year-old Mia again. walks in and he's like, that's, that's wife number, I think, three, two or three. Yeah, wife right. number three, ring-a-ding-ding. Okay, well, let's look at their romantic back catalogue before we get to the two of them finally meeting. So, Frank, God. and I'm going to do, we're going to have to be a speedy on this. Speed because... for Frank, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's the only child of a working class uh, Italian family in New Jersey. And oh, both quite... to be exact. I will, I will take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Our New Jersey resident here. <laughs> Not from New Jersey, but I like it. I if I was, I'd be from Hoboken. <laughs> go oh, on. yeah, your brother, but your brother lives in New Jersey. He lives there, he? yeah, so I have a connection. Anyway, sorry, go on. <laughs> so he comes from a very, so he comes from an Italian American community, and it was quite unusual at the time to have only one child. So little that Frank was a spoiled little boy. He was his mum's prince. So if we're thinking about what it's going to be like to be in a relationship with him, I think that's significant. So his mm. mother was this big, larger than life woman, and she adores, she spoils, she mollycoddles little Frank, especially because he's born quite sickly. So he was, he was very ill all throughout his childhood. Then when he was a teenager, he had really bad skin. He was really, really skinny. He's like the like the scrawny little kid. His mother thinks he's the best thing in the whole world. Then suddenly he discovers a way to get girls' attention. Singing. So he used to, basically, he had this trick where he used to get women into bed. He promised so many women that he would marry them that he'd, he actually got sued by this woman because he, for breach of contract, because he said he would marry her. And okay. the only reason he got out of it and didn't go to prison for it was because she was already married at the time. We need to find this woman. <laughs> we need to find this woman and get her on the show. I think I've just discovered my new hero. <laughs> so he's a, he's a little scoundrel. So his mother, just to try and control him a little bit, says, look, you need to get married, right? So he gets married to Nancy. She's this um, you know, this really strong woman. She supports him. He wants to be a singer. She pays for his headshots. She, um, you know, when he's on tour, he looks after, she looks after the children. Then, uh-oh, worst thing happens. He becomes successful. So he starts cheating on her, basically immediately, has a big long-term affair with Lana Turner. Finally, oh dear, bad news. He meets Ava Gardner. Oh, that's well. that's the end. That's the end of marriage. That is literally win. another episode as well. <laughs> that has that to is be another episode. <laughs> a whole podcast series. He gets married to uh, Ava Gardner. That is a bit of a mess. Finally, get divorced. He's briefly engaged to Lauren Bacall. That ends really, really badly. Let's leave him at this sort of weird crossroads in mm -hmm. his life, where his career is beginning to get back. It's beginning to get back together. He's had ups and downs, but now all these new crazy kids with long hair and flared jeans <laughs> are not finding him and his his gang so cool. He's not so hip anymore. <laughs> He's not so hip anymore. Kaylee, do you get like the whole like Frank Sinatra? Do you would you have been a Frank fan? Do you think if you were a teenager? I don't know if I'm a Frank fan. Having said that, I have seen From Here to Eternity and the, the scene with him and Deborah Carr on the beach is basically like the hottest thing that has made been made in film in that time. So I think I would have got that. But he's always been really fascinating to me, even though like my dad is an 80s rock boy. I had to grow up with, you know, ACDC in the crib, which was a very different experience. But 
the, the particular kind of star he was was so fascinating. Like he was famous for doing scenes in one take you know he was he landed it on the first go he could sing these mm. grand songs and hit these notes you know he didn't need to you know b- before the age of like the method actor comes in like the the marlon brandos and stuff and he famously did not get along with marlon brando when they made guys and dolls and marlon brando just wanted to fuck with him constantly you know he had no time for that kind totally. of like showboating <laughs> for him it was work you know there, there's like really hard labor to be in a star and he's going to be incredibly efficiently good at everything he does and he really was for that period i mean he is an oscar-winning actor he worked with people like otto preminger he sold out concerts you watch early concerts of him when he starts to become a huge star and it's like it's, it's like watching the crowds at an elvis gig i mean women are throwing themselves at frank sinatra oh completely the barbie socks was that was him he got upset when elvis yeah. came along because that was him before he was the elvis before elvis big time oh he Hugely, yeah. And he didn't shake his hips. He just had to sort of stand there and kind of look handsome. He had to just stand there and be cool, yeah. That that image of him is so enduring. I mean, that whole image of the Rat Pack is still really popular today. There are still so many douchebags who dress up like that and go on their stag do's to Vegas and really think that there's something. And they really just end up looking like the guys from Entourage. It's not the same thing. But, you know, they still really want to have that kind of cool that he yeah. conveyed. Maybe you would have been a fan of older Sinatra rather than the young, sort of the young, you wouldn't have been one of the young Bobby Socks or you would have been more of an adult into Sinatra maybe. I mean, that's another thing is by the time you get to the 60s, not only is he kind of, he's waning in popularity because of the Elvises, because the Beatles are coming around the corner, mm-hmm. because Flower Power and the New York Hollywood's on its way, but like, he basically just holds himself up in, in Vegas and then becomes shock horror Republican, you know. I think that's another thing that makes the Mia Farrow relationship so fascinating is, you know, it seems like it could have been a really interesting way to unite these two opposing generations. And I think it just made that gap seem wider. But, you know, I got it, Mia. I totally get why you were like... Sure, he's older than my dad was. Let's go for it. Well, speaking of little Mia Farrow, let's check in on how she's doing. So she was born in California to basically Hollywood royalty. Her father was an Australian film director, John Farrow. Her mother, Irish actress Maureen O'Sullivan. Her godmother was Luella Parsons. And apparently that was like they were sort of quite conniving because they thought if we make Luella Parsons our kid's godmother, she might like go easy on us because she was (laughs) so notorious. So her dad was always cheating on um, on Mia's mother. In fact, one of the people he had a brief fling with was Ava Gardner. I mean, she was very attractive, guys. She was was really, really beautiful. Stunningly beautiful and also had terrible taste in men. I mean, she was married to Mickey Rooney for a period and it's like... (sighs) Oh my God. So um, at nine years old, she contracts polio and she has to go away and stay in an isolation ward for three weeks. And that's sort of a real pivotal moment in her her childhood. She said that it was so, so traumatic and upsetting that it sort of changed, you know, her... She said that was the end of her childhood childhood basically and then she basically has a really rocky teenage years so she comes from this like such privileged glamorous family but it's an absolute mess so her eldest brother michael dies in a plane crash when she's a teenager after this her parents marriage falls apart her dad starts drinking heavily they're broke Mia's mother has to go back to work so she goes gets a a part in a play in Broadway her dad is in LA she's with her mother in New York her mother is then cheating on her dad with the director of her play 
Her dad is back in LA, drinking too much, ringing the house all the time, wanting to speak to Ava's mother. Or uh, yeah, Mia's mother. And she's like really stressed. She doesn't want to lie to her dad. So eventually, apparently what happens is one night, her dad keeps ringing, wanting to speak to Mia's mother. Mia doesn't want to lie to him. So she just stops answering the phone. The next morning, they find out that Mia's dad died during the night from a heart attack with the telephone in his hand. Yikes. That's an image that's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. <laughs> that's her fault. I'm going to suspect it might affect your relationship with older men going Just forward. Just a bit. <laughs> so she's got that trauma. They're, they're broke, so she has to start acting. So she basically gets... And she doesn't really want to do like TV stuff, but she knows that's for what the money is. She's cast in Peyton Place and sort of like very rapidly becomes the sort of the the face of sort of the, you know, the flower power generation that mm-hmm. maybe your parents have heard of. Because it's like a soap opera and she's yeah. the the young cool kid and it's, it's a really the- racy soap opera as well like i mean that show is huge this is you know when you have three channels that you can choose from so you know you've got you know a solid 20 25 million people watching whatever you do but peyton place was known for being like the really scandalous very sexy kind of like the proto-american soap opera before you get the days of our lives and things have you ever seen it? it's based on a film that lana turner was in which is actually really good if you ever get the chance to watch it very high drama and she's immediately becomes a massive star and she's like 17 18 years old and doesn't want to do it but has to like pay for her siblings so that they mm-hmm. don't starve and is putting these ridiculous storylines like the, the proper american soap opera storylines that you don't get on eastenders you know comas twins dramatic pushing through windows that kind of thing we don't really but we're, we're lacking in that area you really don't get that totally. these days because <laughs> since brookside ended it's really all gone downhill now, so. <laughs> hasn't it oh, what a cult there's not enough cults and soap operas anymore we could read i remember in in home and away there was always like somebody was joining a cult at least once a year Really? Oh yeah, Separate. like that was yeah. in, the, in the peak neighbors days when I, I still watched oh. it. Sorry, short story time. When I was a teenager, my dad was off work for like fourteen weeks, and during that time, pre Netflix DVD box sets were like fifty quid a go. My dad got very obsessed with Neighbors, and it was during a time when there was a cult on the show. So I, me and my sister would come home every day, and my dad, sitting on the couch with his broken arm, would give very detailed descriptions of Neighbors, and they're like, "Do you want to watch it again? It's on at five thirty because it's on twice a day." And oh my like, god! It's one of the most beautiful moments I had. My dad spotting over Neighbors, and <laughs> I wonder if I don't watch any soap operas at all, but I wonder if they've quite rightly replaced the cults that were a bigger deal 10, 20 years ago with the current sort of iteration of that, which would definitely be multi-level marketing schemes. So I wonder if people in soap operas now are being sunken in by trying to sell leggings or like vitamin pills or yeah. special oils. That's the, that's, that's the new sort of cult thing. We need, we need the scammer that. era There's an MLM storylines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the MLM scam, that should be the new cult thing. So any, so any soap opera writers, you're welcome. Danny Dyer selling leggings well, at the back speak- of his car. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's realistic. Yeah, that's happening. You can see that happening. He's definitely going to do that. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Well, speaking of dramatic plot twists, one is about to happen in the life of little Mia Farrow because she's on a set, she's filming Peyton Place, and then she finds out, oh, there's a movie being recorded in the studios with Frank Sinatra. And she's like, oh my God, Frank Sinatra. Like, he's basically my parents' generation. She's kind of starstruck. She met him briefly when she was, like, younger. So she, with one of her friends, is working on the film, too. So she would sneak in every day to just gawp at Frank Sinatra because she's such a big fan. At this stage, she's 19. He is 48. Just if you want to like just imagine where they are in their life. So she's, mm-hmm. you know, going in, sneaking onto set to watch Frank Sinatra. Then one day, one of Frank's friends goes over to her, taps her on the shoulder and asks her a very interesting question. What do you think... The first question Frank got his friend to ask her. I think when you're that level of famous, all you can really do is either ask, would you like to meet Frank Sinatra or would you like to have sex with Frank Sinatra? I imagine that line worked a lot for him, to be honest. Okay, good. What what do you think, Chantal? I think he said, how old are you? (laughs) (laughs) Correct answer. The first question, well, in a way, (laughs) in a way you're both right. The first question was, how old are you? The second question was, do you want to meet Frank Sinatra? I know how Jersey boys work. (laughs) (laughs) And the next thing that happens is so, it's so like something from a rom-com. Mia says it happened. So let's just agree with Mia that this is what happened. So she's like awestruck. She's on the way. She's walking over to meet Frank Sinatra. What happens to Mia as she's walking towards Frank Sinatra? does she trip over and fall? She trips over and the contents of her purse fall on the floor. Spill out. Oh my God, this is like a rom-com. Oh, I love this. So she's like really embarrassed and like all these things are falling out of her bag. Is anyone else picturing this scene with her like in a shift dress, a little like white 60s heels and stuff and bare legs (laughs) scraping on the ground, a little pixie cut? I have this so vividly in my mind right now. So she's like, oh my God, her her brace retainer falls out, a tin of cat food falls out and she's like, oh my God, oh my God. Frank describes this moment and says, I was hers instantly. I love that hair, man. I think it's the hair that got me. I think it was. I totally <laughs> this is when she still Frank. has really I long think... hair. Like she fully looked like, oh. you know, she doesn't get the, um, the Mia Farrow haircut until later. Because one of the big rumours that always surrounded them was that he, one of the reasons he wanted to divorce her was because of the haircut. No, when they got married, she had that hair. She had the hair in the yeah. famous wedding yeah, picture. Like, yeah. I will say, yeah. stunning wedding dress. The 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 diamonds, oh. the ring, oh. like that man right. did not half-ass it. Well, we will get there. We get. They haven't even got on a date yet, Kaylee. Pace yourself. So Mia describes this moment. As I stood up to leave, his eyes met mine and my heart stopped, you know. Everything came together. I was just so alive in that oh. moment. <laughs> Which is what every 48-year-old man wants to hear from a young woman. I'm alive. I'm nowhere near death. <laughs> Stick with me and it might, rub, it might rub off on you. So he's smitten. Frank is smitten. Ring-a-ding-ding. The boy's in love. So he invites her to a screening of a film he directed. Of course, he directed course. it. They hold hands. So he invites her to Palm Springs on his plane that night. 
Okay. She says she can't. Katie, what was the excuse? What was the reason why she said, no, Frank, I can't go with you right now to Palm Springs? Uh, what the was excuse she gave was, I have to feed my cat. And he needs this very special food and I can't leave him on his own. And he's very delicate. Very good answer, and... Katie. <laughs> Kay- Katie's been paying attention. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. She said, I have to feed my cat. I had to feed my cat. So he says, that's okay. How about tomorrow? Bring the cat. Bring the cat. He's an animal lover. Bring the cat. So she's up all night. She's stressing. She's like, I don't know how many tins of bloody cat food to bring to Frank Sinatra's house in Palm Springs. Also, she's stressed because she's never been with a man before. So that's making her anxious. But mainly, it's about the cat food. She's really nervous, just not many tins of cat food to bring. So she brings four, just in case anybody's worried. She brings four. So she arrives in Palm Springs the next day. Frank shows her, look, here's your room. He's very gentlemanly. She says they didn't even last the afternoon. They kissed and that was that. That was that. That was that. So little side note, a nice little touch. Unfortunately, they weren't the only people staying in Frank Sinatra's house nice. in Palm Springs that weekend. Also there, and very, feeling very awkward, was Yule Brimmer. Of course. And the house guest that was Frank's original date for that weekend. Nice. I mean, her second option <laughs> well, was Yule Brimmer, which like, like, I've seen the king enough, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Frank's a nice guy. He's like, listen, I'm busy, but here's your have fun. <laughs> She's like, cool, yeah. no problems. I just wanted a dashing Hollywood guy. Yeah, honestly, she could, really he, she could have been pawned off on like, Enjoy. I don't know, like some like Hoboken fourth tier best friend with the name like Legs or something, you know? Like, exactly. She, you know, she thought that's not a bad deal. <laughs> Horribly sexist, but not a bad deal. She could have gotten like Joey Bishop, you know, the worst one of the rat packs. She could have really gone downhill, but she did well. She got Yul Brimner. Well done. <laughs> but do you think they were just like playing chess or something while, you know, Frank and Mia were like... Is that what you call it, Grania? Playing chess. <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> so this is it. Mia and Frank are in love. But the big thing is they're keeping it a secret. They're keeping a secret. They don't want anybody to know. So she moves her horse into the Palm Springs house. Wait, what? <laughs> she got <laughs> a horse. That's a new... She's got a the horse. The cat I was cool with, but she just brought a horse. Teenage Mia Farrow is going to have a horse. All right, cool. Go on. They go for walks. They do crosswords by the pool. They're in love. They're in love. They're in love. And I think it would be quite... I, when I think about it, this is quite romantic because he's so famous and he must be so... Because he's so... He's so needy, Frank Sinatra. Like, he's an absolute mess, you know, even at the best of times. So I think if you're really young, like this 19-year-old girl, and this famous guy who probably is like, oh my God, you're the only girl who gets me. I think that would be quite a romantic, snuggly time. Yeah, and he's, I mean, this is like, he's it's still, this is like kind of like Rat Pack Vegas times. So he's just out there with his with his friends every night and coming home to you after the big show every week, probably. I mean, we how often have we seen this, like to this day, mm. the 50-something guy who suddenly announces that they've met the love of their life is wife number three. Her name is Chantal. She has a Vine account. She's 22. And she's so mature for her age, really. It, it's like talking with a grandmother. She's so smart and intellectual. <laughs> you know? We know that it's such 
such an abysmal cliche, <laughs> in part because of people like Frank Sinatra. But it must have been really alluring. Like, I think every woman has had that thing of like, mm-hmm. I'm so interesting and irresistible to this really worldly man, you know? Especially when you're that age, when you're technically an adult, but yeah, you still kind yeah. of don't feel like one and you really want to prove yourself. I, I totally get why Mia was like, yes, this is the man I will spend the rest of my life with, even though he is you know, pushing 50 at this point in time and she isn't even old enough to drink. Yeah, well, speaking of 50, his 50th birthday party is about to happen. It's a big party. It's in Las Vegas. Me, of course, doesn't go because it's still a secret. Uh, He gets really drunk. So his friends go, oh, let's all go back to Frank Sinatra's house. He's hammered. We'll bring him back to the house and then we can carry on partying there. So that's the plan. So they burst into his house. And who do they discover sitting on the couch with her cat? It's Mia Farrow. So the cat isn't just out on the couch. The cat is out of the bag. It's out of the bag. Thanks. Thanks for that. So again, I'm sorry to hop on, but they they didn't notice the horse. I'm just, I can't get over the horse. (laughs) (laughs) The horse wasn't watching telly with them. That was the problem. That would be great image for, right? I thought it was a big deal when boys let me like leave some makeup at their house. I had no idea the real size. If they let you move in a horse, that's how you know it's real love. (laughs) Jesus. Poor Yul Brimmer is just like brushing it every day. (laughs) (laughs) So now everybody knows about me and Frank and people are reacting to this by absolutely rinsing the pair. They are taking the piss. Dean Martin's response is, I have bottles of scotch older than her. And Ava Gardner memorably says, I always knew he'd end up with a boy. So... (laughs) Everybody thinks it's just the most ridiculous thing in the whole world. Nobody's taking it seriously. Their friends hate each other. Their friends do not get on at all. It's a classic relationship. They do. When it's just the two of them together, it's amazing. When she has to hang out with his friends, it is an absolute disaster. Oh my god! Just thinking about that. Oh, it must be horrible. But that's because it's not even just like. You know, I mean, just in terms of age, she's closer to an age. I think she's identical in age to his daughter, including the yeah. iconic Nancy Sinatra. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know how, you know, how do you feel going to hang out with your future stepmom and you're like, yeah, let's braid each other's hair and talk about, you know, what it was like at school and things like that. It must have been strange. But also, like, what is the role of a woman in that era for the Rat Pack guys who were all notorious skirt chasers, you know, and are living in this really, intri- like, this cloistered life of cigars and scotch and in fairness i think even i have a bottle of scotch that was older than mia farrow at that time um <laughs> and there was like you know like one or two women who were in the rat pack Shirley mclean was in the rat pack i don't think i don't know i feel like her and mia farrow would have had interesting conversations because Shirley mclean is notoriously batshit you know maybe they talked about the astral plane together or something yeah um, yeah it must have yeah. been quite a big change actually to go from the previous girls frank got with were not quiet little wallflowers mm. like ava gardner like nancy by the sounds of any even like, I mean, like Lauren Bacall herself, who was the one who, by the, by the way, coined Rat Pack. And, you know, these are women with big, strong, massive personalities. So it actually must have been quite like a massive change for all his friends to see him with this quiet, meek little 19-year-old girl. Which also, surprise, surprise, is definitely why he chose her after all that. But yeah, I can quite imagine her just kind of blending in and kind of getting the drinks in. and You know what I mean? Kind of doing stuff for them and picking up the cigar ends yeah. and putting them in a Cigarette lighter always up. in one hand, always ready to laugh at the jokes, always yeah. like, you know, <laughs> wallpaper in a sense. But even then, like, she clearly, you know, there was certainly a meekness to her, but she didn't physically kind of look like all the other women. Like, 
Bacall and Gardner are femme fatales. They're iconic femme fatales from film noir. And mm-hmm. Mia Farrow was, I mean, that, that line of, from Gardner, I was near that Frank would marry a boy. Like, even before she got the haircut, she was very gammy and she was very thin. I mean, she, that's with the look that would define Twiggy era of the swinging 60s. She's definitely mm-hmm. more in line with that. And then when she gets that haircut, an icon is made. So it's so, like, it's just yeah. such a weird, almost city limit to imagine her at the time with her long hair and pigtails and her like really sharp fringe sitting at a table surrounded by cigar smoke and women in feathers while men talk about you know who's playing at the next vegas headlining act and something it's such a jarring image which i think is yeah. the reason i'm fascinated by it well so there's because frank is an old-fashioned guy and now it's in the press that he's dating mia farrow so now he's very he suddenly gets very concerned about a reputation and he thinks he's ruining this poor innocent gal's reputation so he's like okay we need to get married because all this back and forth your name in the paper it's ruining your reputation so they get married in 1966 she's 21 he's 50 weirdly for such an icon like the pictures are so iconic and gorgeous the actual wedding itself was very hurried and there wasn't many people there it was very kind of last minute they look it did fab. kind of it looked amazing but it did look a bit like a courthouse wedding <laughs> it looked, it looked like they didn't have it, like maybe a couple of witnesses they found on the way there it did it looked like it was just it was as it always was just frank and mia and the Almost. speed of it had a lot of people. It didn't really help them in terms of like, oh, they're so lovely, they just had to be married quickly. The thought was, someone's expecting. Which... Yeah. Well, so almost immediately, people are like, this is not going to last. So Frank Sinatra's mother said, this one doesn't talk. She doesn't eat. What does she do? So <laughs> she's so not a fan. I got to say, whatever you might think about Frank or anything, I think we all know his mom sounds rad. <laughs> she sounds great. <laughs> sounds like if you turned up to her house, she'd have a bowl of pasta. You'd have to eat the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> So she's not impressed. And then also because, you know, they have this whirlwind, they have this like huge, intense connection. But um, he's a Republican, pro-war in Vietnam. He doesn't want kids. She finds all his friends really annoying. She's a Democrat. She's like a fan of Robert Kennedy. So that's also causing drama in their private life. Because that thing is, like, that that stereotype, do you get more conservative as you get older? Because Frank Sinatra did march, you know, for civil rights. He was kind of, I think you would probably, like, traditional American Democrat, which is really not that left-wing. It's probably more center-left, but, you know. Yeah, he was pretty liberal, though. He was pretty, he was a pretty liberal guy. I think, I think it's somewhat safe to say that he kind of became Republican after Kennedy fucked him over. Not to get too deep into the whole Kennedy Sinatra situation. It does seem very much like his political views were just kind of out of spite. The, the, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's definitely of the, um, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours era of politics, which is pure Nixon. Yeah. And, you know, he's from the mob era. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Of, you know, especially Vegas in that era was completely a town with no laws before it mm-hmm. becomes, you know, the kind of family-friendly destination where you can go see Celine Dion and things. So it's so fascinating that, like, what did they talk about other than the cats? Was the sex that good? Well, yes, very good question, Kayleigh. Okay, okay. What were their conversations? Well, then, okay, so this is something we can explore now. Kayleigh, I want to take you on a trip of imagination. It is 1966. You just get a phone call. Frank and Mia have... Or- Frank's got a, a private jet just waiting... Pack your cat food. You're heading for a night in the town with Frank and Mia at the height of their romance. What do you imagine a night out with Frank and Mia would be like? 
I don't imagine that they'd be alone. I imagine he'd be surrounded by every yes man that he is employed from the New Jersey area. Yeah, so a lot of old crew. Maybe Dean Martin would be there. Uh, so, so Frank, so I think the thing of Frank is that he really was a man of habit and like he'll go to the same clubs every single time. He's got, you know, everyone knows yeah. who he is and where his drink order is always on standby and where everyone loves him. And, you know, which woman have you got with you this time, yeah. Frankie? That kind of thing. It's not a night of romance. Yeah. I have a feeling that he's a man that is capable of romance when other people are around. Like the stories, all the stories of him being romantic is when there's just yeah. me a fire in the room. He's not a man who's like holding him on his arm and like asking for how was your day, darling, you know? Yeah. So do you think he's ordering our drinks? He's probably ordering our drinks, ordering our food. It's just arriving. You know, Dean Martin's there. He's drunk. I think Mia... It's just there. <laughs> I think anyone who comes there, I think if Kaylee turned up, any of us turned up, it would just be us. We'd just be there as well. And I can't imagine Frank asking that many questions. Mia might. Mia might ask us questions. Yeah. But I can't imagine that Frank would take a huge interest beyond like, do you like the show, kid? Beyond that. <laughs> nice I tell you the story things. that I've told 18 times before and you yeah. still have to laugh at it like it was the first time. Yeah, exactly. And then every now and then he'd break into like, fly me to the moon. He just said, break into crooning. <laughs> okay, so we've had dinner. Where are we going next? Are we go- Do you think are we going to like a Rat Pack performance? Do you sort of sit by the stage and then like go, oh, look at them all happy. Is it like, is it going out with Frank Sinatra at this time? Is it like going out with somebody who's big into improv? Will you have to go see them do improv friends and go, oh, so good. I don't think he was really the improv one of the group. I think that was really Dean Martin, and I think that had more to do with the booze than anything else. <laughs> and do Dean I Martin, he just, he just wanted to drink scotch and watch westerns. Like, I respect <laughs> that, you know. He's probably the one that I would have hung out with most out of the patch. The only one I would probably be able to hold down, like, a 10-minute conversation with. Yeah. May, I, maybe I, Shirley I... McLean, but that, that that's a stretch. <laughs> I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna say something. I could be wrong. I get a vibe from Shirley MacLaine that she enjoyed being the only girl in the gang and would not be nice to the girlfriends. Yeah, I see. I oh, that's see a very 1960s. I mean, I say 1960s. That's an eternal mm. thing. But I think Shirley MacLaine was definitely that woman, especially if Warren Beatty is your brother and you yeah. have him and all his friends. You're used to being like the girl that's cool enough to hang out with the guys. <laughs> and also, if Warren Beatty is your brother, you're used to girls trying to use you to get mm. to your hot brother and his hot friends so i imagine she in her defense was probably very bored of girls be- being friendly with her just to get to the rat pack so in shirley's defense i can imagine her being a bit sort of cool and off with new girls on the scene i, I kind of get it and she's very much i think the bridge between old generation and new for them like she's still very much like like warren Beatty started out as was a studio actor where you signed up with a studio and they told you what to do but both McLean and Beatty did that thing where they broke off and started carving out weird, interesting careers from themselves. Whereas Sinatra yeah. did do some interesting stuff into the 60s, 70s onwards. But he, you know, he fully oh, yeah, embraces being yeah. a nostalgia act. I mean, when he goes on tour in the yeah. 80s and 90s and can't remember the words to half of his own songs anymore, like just getting kind of pushed on stage by Frank Jr. and being like, come on, dad, let's, you know, my way. You know that one? Go sing my way. Yeah, so yeah. I would at least get that kind of vibe, definitely. So, mm, yeah. Bless Mia for hanging on as long as she did in that front. Because also he didn't want I think he really did want someone to provide for. He really wanted, like, unlike Ava Gardner, who was a huge star and made so much money and was an Oscar nominee and, you know, true icon. At this point in time, no one, like, people know who Mia Farrow is, but she's not established. 
I think he really did want someone to just kind of follow him around and keep things the way that they were in his life, which to ask that of anyone is hard, but to ask that of a 21-year-old, I mean, you're asking for trouble just with that. Sure. Yeah. Well, so there are problems in the relationship. I think it's an example of things that maybe he found really cute and endearing at the start are start. He's starting to find a little bit, a little bit tedious <laughs> and annoying. So apparently, she liked to talk in sign language to her cat. Cat's new sign, sign language. She hasn't even started dropping drugs of the Beatles yet. This right? is when she's so far. Her brain's her brain still. This is as good as it's ever going to get for her brain. <laughs> So Frank used to find this really annoying. It really, really got in his nerves. So that's so the kind of thing a young girl would do, thinking, oh, this is quirky and cute. Boys love this. And then boys do love it for about a month. And then they find it really fucking irritating. That's that's so 21-year-old. It's so contrived. So one time he got so annoyed by this that he lit a cherry bomb and set it by the cat's food bowl. So then the cherry bomb explodes, the cat runs off, and Frank says, Death? I'm Team Frank. (laughs) I'm super Team Frank here. Casual animal abuse was just a thing you could get away with in the early 60s, you know. Times are different. He knew that cat could hear. (laughs) Damn, will culture ruined another thing for us. So they're, you know, they're rowing all the time. They're not getting on. He's like, they're splitting up. Then he gets drunk. He rings her in the middle of the night. He thinks she's the only one who understands him. They get oh. back together. So then they decide, they make a rule that he can, she can only make one movie a year. Mm. So that's it. They're only going to make one movie a year. And he decides that first movie they're going, she's going to be in is a movie that he's directing. He's decided this. But uh uh-oh, ring, ring, ring. It's her agent. She's been offered a part in a little film called Rosemary's Baby. Mm -hmm. So she's like, oh, sorry, Frank. I'm going to be in Rosemary's Baby. But it's fine because the shoot, it's not a long shoot. And I can still do this film that you're directing, which will obviously definitely be really good and not a complete boring turkey. So, uh uh-oh, problems arrive arise quite early on because the film is overrunning so she was supposed to be able to do both films but now because it's overrunning she can't so frank is ringing her up you know being like you have to walk up the set you have to walk up the set this is ridiculous you know just stand up to the producer he's ringing up the producer he's like you need to get mia off the set mia's leaving why is mia's he quitting the- frank call roman polanski you both got young girls in common give him a bell i'm sure you guys have a lot to chin wag about <laughs> So he's wrecking that Robert Evans is producing it. He's like, you need to shut this out. Mia's leaving. Mia doesn't know what to do. She's panicking. She doesn't know what to do. So that eventually Robert Evans has to take her in, show her a screening of some of the early bits of the film Mm -hmm. to show her, look, this is a really big film. You cannot walk off it. This is going to make you a star. Mm. Don't leave. So Mia makes her choice and decides to stay on... On Rosemary's baby. She doesn't quit. And what happens is she doesn't hear Woody or Woody <laughs> ugh, foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> Frank basically just ghosts her. So he cuts off all contact with her, doesn't ring her again, doesn't contact her, and just sends a lawyer to the set of the film 
with the divorce papers. Wow, savage. I mean, he said these are the rules and she agreed to them and then went back on him. Sorry, 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 Mia, but you did agree to them and then say no to him. What do you want? Don't sign up to the rules in the first place. Hint, hint. <laughs> so this is it. And she's apparently she was like, fine. She didn't like ask for money off him. She just was like, look, somebody doesn't want to get married, be married to me anymore. They don't want to be married to me anymore. She knew. She knew. She's like, this film's going to be massive. I think, I think I'll think i survive without this old man in my life. She knew. <laughs> and so how did she... either. I mean, that. I mean, I actually recently watched Rosemary's Baby again for the first time in a long time. Uh, still really good. I mean, fuck Roman Polanski and all of that. But like, that film is still terrifying. That film is just so creepy and weirdly darkly funny. And it does not work without her at the centre of it. Totally, yeah. Big eyes and that short hair, just watching this woman be degraded and gaslit yeah. and just beaten down by all of these just evil old people mm-hmm. in her house it, it is great it really held up whereas you know the detective who the hell talks about that one it's not your best frank well don't worry about our girl mia she's going to get over the break of her marriage frank sinatra by flying to an ashram in india with the beatles to study meditation and take loads of drugs i mean that's the way you do it that's that's the way you do it you know, it's gone from being a romantic comedy to like eat, pray, love, but with <laughs> way more drugs. But that's very Mia Farrow. I mean, the girl spoke silently to her cat. She is eat, pray, love. That is good. So, I mean, she may be the she may be the kind of victim here, so to speak, in terms of her age and everything. But she also is still very much that white woman who flies. I'm still going to India also, now. Also, it's guys. 1968. If you weren't flying out to an ashram to meditate and right? pretend you found enlightenment, you know what were you what doing? Were you doing? <laughs> like it's that or go to Vietnam, you know. so she's off with uh, the ashram with the beatles meanwhile uh, frank sinatra is also moving on and in uh, 1976 he gets married to barbara and weird she was married to one of the marx brothers oh she likes entertainers yeah she was married to zeppo marx uh, so Mia, she comes back. She gets married to musician Andrew Previn in 1970. Should have tried they to have with that chill- one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another one. When you uh, when you meet a guy and he's uh, still married to someone else, and then you get pregnant, you gotta you gotta iron out a few creases there. Yeah. Listen, interesting people live complicated lives. Very true. <laughs> They're artists, damn it. <laughs> That's whenever I forget to do anything, I always say that to my husband. Interesting people live complicated lives. And is he like, interesting people also either hire cleaners or do the dishes themselves, Grania? Come on. <laughs> I, I forgot to get the milk. Interesting people, people live complicated lives. <laughs> so she and Andre split in 1979. And then she meets and starts dating a little comedian called Woody Allen. Let's just say, don't date a comedian. If you listen to this podcast, if you get nothing from this, just don't date a comedian. Don't go, don't probably, go out with it. It's probably not worth it. So obviously, um, even from as early as 1971, mm-hmm. Mia Farrow said she still had warm feelings for Frank, saying that he'd often call her mother to find out how Mia was doing. How long were they and together she said, in total? I'm sorry, Dintra. How long were they together in total? Okay, so... Two and a half, got... three, three years? So they were married for two years. Okay. And I think they're going out for about two years. So they were together, I think, about four years old. That's actually longer than I thought. That's actually a lot longer than I thought. 
So this is what she says about their time together. She said, I was less mature than any other 19-year-old I've ever known. Poor Frank to be saddled with such a child. I would be falling asleep at a table at Las Vegas trying to talk to people about their cats. He was very patient with me. Jesus Christ, her and the goddamn cats. Bloody hell. (laughs) She said, in terms of what Frank would say, I shouldn't have done any movies. He's on the record saying, I'm a pretty good provider. I can't see why a woman would want to do anything else. That's the way men thought then. And you felt pretty guilty wanting to do something for yourself. And then the interviewer said, do you think if you'd flown around the world with him and just sat by his side the whole time, would you still be together? And Mia said, yes, because then he came back over and over and over and over. I mean, we never really split up. They never really split. I love the idea almost of him being like, her side piece you know like him chasing her in a sense i actually yeah. like yeah. you know that that's feminism right there imagine if you're you'd be like oh my ex-husband uh, frank sinatra have you heard about him we're still really good friends uh, yeah exactly like if she needed someone whacked it was dealt with he's just, like obsessed with me <laughs> okay well so speaking of getting somebody whacked after the whole let's say acrimony of Mia's split from Woody Allen and Frank got involved very straight away first of all he offered to break the filmmaker's legs and this is what she said he said so she rang him up she was really upset he said don't worry about it then shortly afterwards she got a call from a man who told her don't talk on the phone meet me at 72nd in Columbus Tuesday 11 a.m I'm in a grey sedan and Mia said she was so stress she had to look up the word sedan oh my god if i got a phone call like that literally my nipples would go hard immediately <laughs> i'd be so turned on by that like okay my ex- i'd like buy a trench coat and new sunglasses just for the occasion <laughs> just like go meet the car so the car pulled up at the appointed hour the back door flew open <gasps> and the driver motioned her to get in he I didn't even turn around so i'm oh. assuming frank's driving the car am i naive well, I, I don't frank know driving? i think it may Maybe it's just one of his mob Frank friends. Doesn't drive. Frank doesn't drive. I'm, I'm with Kaylee. Frank does not drive. Okay. That's one of his mob pals. That's that's one of his heavies. <laughs> that's Joey well, Jojo from the Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> so the driver says, that's Tommy what's the... <laughs> So the driver says, what's the problem? So he doesn't even turn around. He's still staring straight ahead. He says, what's the problem? And Mia said, I just started babbling. I said, I'm afraid he's going to have me killed have, or somebody else do it. He'll have me run, o- run off the road. She said, at the time, Woody, her ex-husband, seemed so powerful. She said his driver on the movie was a teamster. The driver said, huh, the teamsters, don't worry about it. We own the own teamsters. The teamsters. <laughs> God, right, damn right, especially them. They really did. He wasn't lying. That's Jimmy Hoffa, the guy that made Annie literally, Hall. That is literally Jimmy Hoffa time. So yeah, he's right. So we he gave her names and phone numbers in three cities to call should she ever feel in danger. Oh my God, this is incredible. I would have gone to all those three cities just to test them all out. <laughs> So then at this point in the interview, because she's all like, oh, well, you know, we never split up and, you know, we were still really, really close. So the interviewer point blank says, listen, is Ronan the son of Frank Sinatra? And her reply in one word was possibly. (laughs) I think that's Ronan's middle name. (laughs) So here's the thing about this. Possibly fair. 
Nancy Sinatra has always called bullshit on this. She said she was probably peeing when she said it, and my dad had had a vasectomy, and like before Ronan was born. I think it must be so weird if you are Ronan Ronan Farrow to be like knowing that like the majority of the world is just they need to think that Frank Sinatra is your dad. Like it just makes us all feel better. It's like saying Santa Claus is real. That. Do you think him and Prince Harry talk about how everyone thinks that <laughs> you, you have a different father? Is there like a little club for famous men with the wrong fathers? And they all Even if he together? is like deliberately kind of screwing up his face to make that happen. Like, I, I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Ronan Farrow just like in terms of celebrity offspring who, given all of the circumstances of his upbringing and not just what happened to Dylan Farrow, who I 100% believe, but also, you know, Mia Farrow herself, as she has, I believe, something like 14 or 15 kids, 10 of whom are adopted, you know, that he has kind of come out of it in one piece. And is also, I think being a celebrity kid with a really controversial parentage is the ultimate background for being a celebrity journalist because no one can hold anything against you if you've read his book that he wrote about his in, in investigating harvey weinstein like weinstein's would heavies would call him up and be like we're going to dig into your past and he was like wow everyone knows everything you have nothing against everyone me knows my it's past. all yeah. out there yeah, what skeletons can you bring out? It's so true, it's so true. It, it, it does make you completely vulnerable and therefore untouchable. And I love that he's now kind of like, when something terrible happens in Hollywood, you're just kind of hoping that he'll be the one that writes about it to destroy those men's lives. I'm, You know, you know, he's a good ally to have yeah, on that totally. side. So, you know. Well, so before we um, say goodbye to this couple, a very sort of sweet moment was revealed that when Frank Sinatra died, obviously Mia and her family were at the funeral. Mia put a note and her wedding ring in his casket. And then she was asked, was he the great love of your life? And she said, yes. Oh, that's cute. That's sweet, but also it's not like the bar is high. Also, it's like, true. good on her for giving up the wedding ring because the ring was fucking stunning. Mm, <laughs> I'd have hung on to that, like how J Lo's held on to every engagement ring and it's like the Infinity Stones now. I, I would not be getting that. <laughs> so we know we're we're fans of them both, but ultimately, Kaylee, in a, uh, a split, there is a winner, there is a loser in the great split between Mia Farrow and Frank Sinatra. Who won? Who thrived and who simply survived? I think in the short term, Mia was the one that thrived because she goes on and becomes a big star. She hangs out with the coolest people, does the coolest things, is very much of the moment. Sinatra's legend was already secure by this point in time. He seems to have settled down nicely with wife number four. But it's really hard to kind of claim someone as like the ultimate winner in a story when it it becomes as unbearably difficult as it does for Mia Farrow. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are people to this day who think that she is like the modern day Medea, that she is a liar. You know, I hang around in a lot of film forums and talk to a lot of film people and like people still go nuts for Woody Allen. They still love him. They still fully support him. So in that sense, like I I don't want to watch the documentary Dylan versus uh, Farrow versus Allen that was on. HBO, mm-hmm. I think it was in Sky in this country. There's a moment where someone asks her, "Are you still afraid of Woody Allen?" And she, like, her eyes tear up, and she just sort of nods. You realise this woman has got, mm. she's been through a lot. So I, I completely understand, you know, whether it was she, you know, he was the great love of her life or not. I totally get why she holds on to this kind of this rosy portrait of the older man who swept her, her and her totally, cat yeah. off of her feet. Mm. Um, and was always protective to the end, according to her as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. 
you know, sometimes you just need a guy in your corner who will break someone's legs. You're not supposed to condone violence. I know that. But, you know, mm. the old ways still work for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I think she's just such a fascinating person of her time in that sense. So when it comes to, like, celebrity culture and celebrity couples and these images we have of, like, the young women who get with the older men, like, I think she stands really interestingly as, like, the prime example of that trend, but also a really interesting subversion of it. There is a strange kind of sweetness to it underneath all of the just sort of, like, friendly qualities and unbearable sadness of it. I started out wanting to do a really cheerful couple and it's kind of ended here, hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> but there's something very wholesome. I think there's just something very wholesome about it's it. It's really like... wholesome, the way you wouldn't think. Yeah. Like, all the things considered. I think what that relationship could have been it's a very enticing image. Like, what if they had lasted and through all, through huge political changes, through the massive shifts in Hollywood, what if the bright, young, hot new star of New Hollywood was still with the gentleman of the board, you know? this. I think this is the kind of relationship that really probably only could have happened at this really specific moment in time. You know, you certainly couldn't do this now. Or you certainly wouldn't be able to have the same kind of aura around it i think it would you would you would be besieged by think pieces on how this age gap is abusive actually and etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. so oh god totally yeah well speaking of iconic couples we've got a final <laughs> question to ask you about an iconic person we do kayla's come to that time we have to ask you as we ask all our guests there is one incredible woman out there who's unbelievably still single. And while we always say we don't think she needs anyone, we do very much think she deserves to be loved. So put your thinking cap on. Can you think of anyone who can match up to the one, the only, Cher? Ooh. Who could, who could live up to? Gender is not an issue. If they are taken, that's also okay. We believe any partner would gladly step aside to let their mm -hmm. beloved be beloved with Cher. So well, Madonna's just possibly. Well, I say she's an. I mean, they hate each other. So I doubt that. Yeah, <laughs> but like, what a great fairy tale story! You know, the divas come together in, in yeah. Vegas and make magic. I mean, make I like Mama it. Mia free together. You know, all that hatred to what could could lead to a lot of like sexual tension as well. Yeah, and Madonna's just all, come all out. All that so. Bob Matty, all of that surgery, all of those banging, all tunes, the Jean Paul Gaultier. Like, oh, yeah, a lot. And, uh, only, and they both only have one name. So there would there'd be no like worry about who's taking the last name. There is no last name. It's great. <laughs> it's just Madonna and Cher forever. Speaking of uh, the Rat Pack, imagine that Vegas show. Madonna and Cher. My God. Talk about gay Christmas. He's <laughs> Louise. Just saying the Mamma Mia sequel will be astonishing. Oh, outstanding. Uh Oh, well done. God. Good choice. Thank you so oh. much for being here with us today, Katie. Oh, where, thank you where can so our listeners much. find more of you? Well, thank you for having me. This is great fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kayleanne. You can find my work primarily on pajiba.com. This week I've written about the Try Guys a lot. Sorry if you're over that already. Uh, but you can find my work scattered all around the place on like Slash Film and IGN and Uproxx, Paste. Um, I will write for anyone that pays me, to be honest. She's everywhere, guys. <laughs> and you also have a brilliant newsletter. I do. It's on semi-hiatus right now just because I've been so busy with uh, work. But it's called The Gossip Reading Club. You can find it on letterdrop.com. And basically every issue I pick a piece of celebrity reporting or a profile or interview and I kind of offer a deep read analysis of it. So I've done everything from the, reve the first reveal of Suri Cruz and Vanity Fair to 
the diary of Heath Ledger that someone made up after he died as like a profile of him mm. to uh, recent pieces on people like Angelina Jolie and Chrissy Teigen. And uh, I'm currently working on a piece on Madonna, actually. So I will hopefully get that finished. Oh, amazing. Oh, no wonder amazing. she's on Madonna's sex era. I'm very excited. I it's think... one, of my, one of my great celebrity obsessions is Madonna's sex book. So. Yeah, it was a big time. It was a big time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a big crossover in our the newsletter and our, Indeed, our listener like demographic. I, I will get a new issue soon, um, but there's but... enough of a back catalogue of your board. You can go check out things on that. So. <laughs> Definitely. Go read it. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Kaylee. Thank you. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush. So email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. And thanks to you for listening. Until the next time... Goodbye. Goodbye. The, the way, way they were. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.